Hey all, you are listening to the CS Mentor Podcast, All Things Customer Success. Today I'm speaking to Emily Gaza, who is AVP Customer Success at Fati. Prior to this, Emily served AT&T for six years in sales. Emily is also a customer success coach at Catalyst Software, where she helps people who want to move into customer success or upgrade their career. Emily is an expert in building and growing the customer success team. And that's what we would be discussing today. Emily, welcome to the CS Mentor Podcast. I'm enchanted to have you here on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Before we start talking about hiring and growing the CS team, Emily, I think it would be great to know you a little. So Emily, would you mind perhaps providing us all a brief introduction to who you are, your career to date, and also your shift to CS from sales? Sure. So I started my career at AT&T, as many people know, a very large company, and it was a great start to a career. Uh, gave me a lot of structure, really showed me how uh, different teams worked together. And I was able to experience a couple different customer facing roles between sales and business development, account mm-hmm. management. And through that career, I uh, was able to actually move a couple times and live in some really interesting places. I find myself uh, out in the Bay Area. Uh-huh. And for anyone who lives in the San Francisco area, you understand the allure of startup world and started to get that itch and was able to find a role at Fastly, Mm -hmm. uh, which was just about 200 people at the time. So a huge shift uh, for me from, Mm -hmm. you know, going from hundreds of thousands of people in a company to 200. Um, But it was really, it was really neat. And I was able to start the sales enablement function at Fastly and I really enjoyed that. It was working with our sellers more on a training and coaching type of role. But okay. after about a year, year and a half, I realized how much I missed actually working directly with customers. I'd get out of a coaching call uh, mm-hmm. with a seller as a prep for a call that they were going to have. And I'd, I'd find myself being like, ah, I'd rather be on the customer call rather uh. than the prep call. Yeah. Uh, so as my company continued to grow and decided to launch customer success, I raised my hand with interest and I was able to kind of help jumpstart the team, uh, mm. be the first customer success manager for, you know, our first couple trial customers and then grow and build the team around that. Well, that's, that's a really great journey, you know. Uh, you were lucky to actually move into customer success because a lot of people I know and they want to move into customer success, but unfortunately they couldn't. Thanks for sharing your journey, Emily. I really loved how you made the transition. And I think this would help some of the listeners to move uh, into customer success some way or the other. And I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, Let's start uh, discussing our topic, Emily. You know, whenever we talk about hiring, I always see it as a challenge for both employers and candidates. Like employers always complain that they cannot attract the right talent and candidates complain that they rarely get 
responses from the employees. What do you think is a remedy to this problem? So from a person searching point of view, I think you really need to know what you're looking for in the role. Okay. And, you know, as many people say, as they talk about roles and customer success, they mean so many different things, depending on uh, the structure of the company and how you're going to market to support your customers. So really understanding what you are looking for the role, what your skills are, will help determine what's even the right role um, or style of customer success to apply for. So maybe it's more of a onboarding focused uh, customer success role. Like if you have project management skills, uh, that might lend itself to an easier transition or you know, someone uh, whose customer success function is more focused on customer training. If you have an education background, that might be an easier transition into that type of role. Okay. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's being really clear about what are your, what are your skill sets and how do they align to, uh, you know, that, that customer success role that's outlined and, you know, just blindly applying to customer success roles, uh, I think is a little bit of a crapshoot because they're so different and can be focused on, on various things. Wow. Okay. And then from an employee or an employer point of view, I think it's really our responsibility to be super clear about what we're looking for. Um, You know, don't have a different job description and then a career path um, for success. Once you get in the company, right. You, you want to make sure that's uh, really fluid and uh, creating an interview process that supports this. So I've seen, especially at smaller companies, uh, a hiring manager will, you know, pick two or three other people at the company and say, great, you're, you know, part of the interview process, but they don't give a whole lot of guidance. And Mm -hmm. that just creates a really inconsistent interview process where you start to let in bias or something else. Mm -hmm. So make sure that, you know, as a hiring manager, you're being super clear about, uh, you know, the skill sets or competencies that you're looking for to you know, have someone be successful in this role and give yeah. them some guidance on you know, maybe questions to ask or how to evaluate those skills so that you're getting um, you know, accurate feedback throughout the entire process. Got it, Emily. I think uh, I understand what you said, Emily. Uh, for candidates, like they blindly apply sometimes, uh, 100 of job positions, just click on apply, 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 just like a bot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, I know it doesn't help because if your skills are not aligning with the role, it makes no sense to apply. And sometimes it's good with the companies as well because their job descriptions look really, really generic, right? Yes. Mm, got it. I, I think, you know, this shall help the employers find the right talent. Now, I want to ask you something else about this thing. What skills do you generally look for? when you hire a CSM? For us, our CSMs and our customer success team is really focused on revenue growth. Uh, That's a core component of what what our team is designed for. And so we've outlined competencies based on that focus. So some of the competencies or skill sets that we specifically look for are things like ownership or collaboration, uh, mm-hmm. customer advocacy, and curiosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
these tie into all of the actions that the CSM does and that they're responsible for. Uh, and as I kind of mentioned a little bit in the last question, we actually build this into the interview process. So mm -hmm. I think we have about uh, 10 or 12 competencies that we see as critically important for someone to succeed in this role. And we break that up over the interview process. So we'll say, you know, hey, interview number one, you're specifically focused on these two or three competencies. And, you know, here are the three or four questions to help you uh, identify that. But we make sure that, um, you know, it's, it's very clear uh, through the interview process that we're evaluating for each of those uh, key skills that we think is important. And then once someone comes on board, um, you know, those are consistently the things that we're evaluating them against. So it's uh, the same throughout their entire experience with the company. Got it. Emily, you spoke about revenue maximization as the first thing. You know, uh, a lot of people I speak to, they generally feel that, you know, companies are just renaming CSMs as salespersons. So they are generally scared of sales, you know, revenue maximization. Any thoughts on that? Yes. So <laughs> this is something that I feel really strongly about. Uh, I think that customer success has to own revenue. Yeah. And I think it, it can happen in different ways, right? To your point, it, it doesn't have to feel like you are a renamed salesperson. And I don't uh -huh. think that that's, um, or at least I hope that's not how our team feels. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really the output of all of the work that you're doing. So yeah. my team is doing things like cadence calls, QBRs, yeah. uh, building relationships with you know, various people across the organization, asking for introductions to new business units. All of that's our, I'll say, normal day-to-day -day work, right? Like that's just mm -hmm. what a CSM does. Yeah. But because you're doing all of those things, you unlock these opportunities for uh, growing revenue, right? You might be mm -hmm. understanding the customer's change in focus. So you can align that with a new use case of how they can leverage your product, right? It's yeah. it's not that, you know, hey, it's the end of the month. We've got to, <laughs> you know, close things, uh, fire sale sort of approach. It's really that long-term, how do we get to know the customer? Right. And because we're doing all of that work, it should naturally uh, flow into the output of being able to grow revenue. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense, Emily. Uh, I just took a note of everything that you mentioned, and I'm going to use it as a reference next time whenever I get, <laughs> I get a chance to hire more CSMs for my team. So, uh, Emily, we have spoken about attracting the right talent, the skills you have to look for. Now, let's say we have some good CSMs in our team, but you know, CSMs uh, don't just stop customers from churning. We have to stop our good employees from churning too. So how can we retain more CSMs in team? Great question. So as a CS leader, I think one of your customers is your employees, right? You have to yeah. be thinking about them and uh, their engagement and their happiness. And I think part of it is this idea of creating transparency throughout the entire employee experience. So that's hiring, feedback, promotion discussions. Uh, no one wants to uh, kind of be blindsided thinking that, you know, everything's great. And then, you know, all of a sudden it's been six months, you formally sit down with them to give them feedback and you tell them they're way off track. Mm -hmm. uh, so making sure that 
all of that is consistent and um, providing that feedback. But I think you also want to understand people's goals. Um, yeah. One of the things that we try and do consistently across the team is just sit down and have career discussions. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not a career discussion that is, you know, what's, what's the next job, what's the next role, uh, because that, you know, that takes time. You can't have that discussion every three months um, because, because you don't want people leaving your team every three months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's a lot of work to, to continue to get people back on the team and interview and everything else. But when I talk about, um, you know, career discussion and professional development, it's really around skills focus. So, mm. you know, what are the skills or experiences that you're looking to gain? Um, and that might be, you know, hey, I want to work on a customer of a different size or uh, a different vertical. I want, you know, to work on something that's a little bit more complex. I want to lead a cross-functional project. Uh, those are all different skill opportunities that you can give your employees um, that are part of their career progression, yeah. right? It's it, mm. it's making them more well-rounded, but it's not necessarily, you know, I, I want the next title or I want something else, which, you know, those opportunities will come, but they just, you know, typically take a little bit longer than kind of an every three month sort of cadence. So I think really having the conversation with your employee and understanding their goals and figuring out, you know, are there opportunities where you as a leader have insight where you can connect them into those types of projects or opportunities? Yeah. I would say the other, other side of the coin is you also have to understand when another team might be appropriate, right? Sometimes it's, it's time for that person to move on and, mm. you know, retaining them doesn't make sense. Um, they're ready for a new opportunity or, the skills that they're looking to learn or practice, they can't find on your team. They have to go somewhere else. Um, um, and I think, you know, being able to really have that direct dialogue and um, create that level of, of trust for that sort of conversation is also really important, right? Just because yeah. you're not asking what their career interests are or what they envision for their career path doesn't mean they're not thinking about it. It just means yeah. that you don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Got it. That's really honest. That's that's actually right, uh, Emily. And you know, it's all about finding the right goals, uh, finding the right skill set, and then managing the right expectations. Because mm -hmm. if the expectations are met, uh, the CSMs would be happy, and we would be having uh, them retained. I love that part. Uh, I must say, and I think this is going to be super helpful to many CSMs or the CS leaders who are having a hard time retaining good talent. Now, before we move ahead from this topic, uh, Emily, I have a follow-up question. Now, since every individual is different and they would have different skill set, right? So how do you find out like what are the key strengths and what are their weaknesses? Like what things should they be working on and what things they shouldn't be working on? I like to let people self-evaluate first. I mm -hmm. always find that that's really helpful for me uh, to even see how, th how they're thinking about the world and how they're uh, kind of self-aware. So typically, you know, we'll use, since we have those outlines, uh, you know, those core skills specific for the role, we'll have uh, each of the CSMs self-evaluate against those, you know, are they, uh, knocking them out of the park 
consistently? Are they doing them kind of intermittently? Do they either need more opportunities or exposure to demonstrate them? And then we use that to build a plan. So we use their self-evaluation, the manager's evaluation to say, okay, where, where are the gaps that we see and mm -hmm. how can we help support that? Okay. But I also think that we need to keep in mind that not every weakness needs to be conquered, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's really easy to uh, find those gaps, find those weaknesses and say, okay, like you need to work on everything that's red on this sheet. Um, mm. And it doesn't always have to be that way, right? Different people bring different skill sets and it's okay to also focus on your strengths and really figure out how to leverage those. And, you know, maybe you don't have to conquer your weakness. Maybe you can, I don't know, move it from a red status to a yellow status. And, and that's mm. enough, right? Because you can balance it with all of the other characteristics that you bring. Um, or you could potentially leverage other team members, right? So mm -hmm. maybe you're not great at uh, QBR slide design, yeah. but you know you you can get the content. You just you know your pictures are all out of whack. Great, yeah. like work with your manager. Maybe work with a peer who is a little bit more design oriented mm -hmm. um, and kind of off offset some of that, right? You don't have to become that designer yeah. um, to be a good a good CSM. Um, and then I would say the the other thing in terms of individually supporting these people and uh, identifying you know their strengths, weaknesses, and how you support is just making sure that you develop a cadence to review their wins. Mm -hmm. uh, we do this on a monthly basis, and okay. uh, it's a good chance for people to self highlight, mm -hmm. and it helps from a leadership perspective to keep things top of mind, right? If you are waiting for a company mandated feedback cycle, you know, which could be six months, a year, whatever that is, there's a lot of recency bias that comes in um, and you forget about all the good stuff uh, yeah. that has happened, you know, leading up to that point. Right. So making sure that there's some cadence to review some of those wins and provide that um, chance for feedback as well, I think is super important. Hmm. Um, okay, okay, that's that's really awesome. Thank you so much for sharing this. Um, well, Emily, you spoke about you know the person working with another person, and like you know, I feel that you know when we are working with as a team, we grow together. So, can you please shed some light on this? Why growing together as a team is needed, and in a customer success team, how possibly? we can actually get it done. Yeah, customer success is, it's an interesting team aspect because you have similar goals, but mm. typically, unless you're working in a pooled environment, you're working on very different customers. So everyone has their own book of business. So in some mm. ways it's siloed, right? You've, yeah. You're kind of your individual owner of this book of business. But you've also got this team who's kind of going through this same experience, same environment. So I think as a hiring manager, it's really evaluating the skills that each person brings. Yeah. So any new hire provides an opportunity to fill a gap or uh, add a new perspective to the team and making sure that you're getting people uh, who bring those different perspectives, different backgrounds. Uh, different, you know, skill sets, as long as they're kind of meeting that, that core need, but uh, kind of bringing those outside skill sets in as well. 
Um, and I think oftentimes we try and search for that, you know, one rock star, or, you know, as we're going through the interview process, it's, you know, here, we've got to have this person who has everything, um, Mm. and who's going to, um, you know, be super effective day one. And, uh, I, that's important, but you also, to get to cover all the strengths your team needs, it doesn't need to be a single person, right? If mm. you're uh, being really thoughtful about how the team works together and you're creating opportunities to facilitate working together, yeah. then you can have people lean on each other, uh, which I think is really important. Um, and right. being able to encourage that team sharing mm. uh, is critical. Um, I think that was one of the big lessons that I learned as I was, uh, you know, kind of growing within the CS org at Fastly mm-hmm. wow. is the leader can't be the person who knows it all. Um, mm, right. <laughs> at some point you've got to, you got to step back and, and have the peers of CSMs help each other. Um, and being able, your role as a leader is really being that facilitator, um, mm. whether it's um, team meetings or creating a, a buddy or mentor system for yeah. a new hire, um, you know, setting up that structure to allow people to share is really where the leader should be plugging in rather than the person who's answering all the questions of, you know, here's how you do it. Yeah. 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 Like everyone learns and we all have our strengths and weaknesses. So better we, we actually accept it. And then that's how we grow together. Mm-hmm. That certainly sounds like a plan, Emily. And we are about to reach the end of this show, but I would like to ask a question that I asked all of my guests, uh, which appear on the CS Mentor podcast show. So the question is, what are some secret tricks to get hired faster as a CSM? Okay, so I hope this first one is not a secret, um, because if it is, I'm sorry, and please start doing it. Uh, But tailor your resume to the job that you want. Uh, We talked Mm -hmm. a little bit in the beginning about looking at which CS structure is right for you and finding that job that really aligns to the skill sets and competencies that you have. So making sure that you're tailoring your resume. I get a lot of resumes that are uh, very generic. You can tell, you know, they pushed a button and sent it out to a hundred different companies. Uh, and it mm-hmm. doesn't give me as a hiring manager insight into how they would fit into our specific role. So being as thoughtful as yeah. possible um, about that. And then I think kind of similarly is just knowing how to position your experience, uh, especially if you are looking to pivot, right? So I think one of the examples I used before is, you know, if you're a teacher, you've been in the education space and you're looking to move into customer success, help me mm-hmm. uh, understand, help draw that line and connect the dots between the role that you've done in the past and how that will play out um, from a customer success perspective. And I think a lot of people really rely on the recruiter or the hiring manager to connect those dots. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can tailor it and make it a little bit more specific, you put yourself in a better position to mm-hmm. um, move forward through the interview process. Got it. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's just really, really helpful, Emily. And I'm pretty much sure that this would help out the job seekers out there. 
Before we close this conversation, Emily, do you have something in mind that you would want to share with the audience? Perhaps something from your career that worked for you? Yeah, I'd love to share just a couple things that I've found to be really successful in, in my career growth. And I've been, you know, extremely lucky to be able to grow, um, you know, within Fastly over the last handful of years. And I think just a, a couple pieces that I'd love to to share with the group. I think first is sure. just being curious and thoughtful about how your work impacts other teams. So I think it's easy, mm -hmm. uh, especially when, you know, things get busy or there's, you know, customer fires or whatever else to uh, buckle down and kind of be in your specific bubble. But be curious, understand who your stakeholders are uh, from an internal perspective mm -hmm. and, you know, understand how your work actually impacts them, right? Um, yeah. You know, if, if I'm conducting a renewal with a customer, uh, that impacts my finance team, right? If I have a significant yeah. write down, uh, that impacts uh, how we're, you know, forecasting and revenue planning moving forward. So kind of knowing how, how those levers um, interact, I think is really important. Then you have to be able to tell your story. Um, and for anyone who uh, has kind of gone through this exercise, it's not just uh, tell your story once, but it's tell it again, tell it again, uh, especially when it's a, you know, new function, if you're creating customer success from the ground up. Um, or even if it's, you know, your own personal brand work, just making sure that you're telling that consistent story and uh, you're weaving that in all of your various conversations with different stakeholders, because it takes people a while to absorb new information. And, you know, mm -hmm. the things that you think about and you care about um, aren't necessarily top of mind for everyone else. So they're not thinking about it all the time. So when you have that opportunity, um, to share and tell your story, make sure that you're uh, taking advantage of that. Mm. And then I would say kind of the third piece is being an advocate for the customer, but also knowing who your audience is. So I uh, learned this at Fastly where we had a, a feature request that uh, I, I became the champion for internally. Um, and yeah really kind of banged my head against the wall of, you know, everybody's asking for this. Why aren't we uh, investing? Mm. And um, it became a little bit in, of a thorn in people's side because I just kept bringing it up, but I wasn't doing it mm. in a very productive way. Um, it was more just, hey, everybody wants this. Why aren't we doing it? And so, you know, once once we kind of got, got through that piece, there was... Um, you know, I don't know, six months or a year later, there was another really large feature request that came up. And I <laughs> found myself in the middle of championing that as well. Uh, but I approached wow. it from a, a different way, right? It was, uh, you know, here's what people are asking for, but uh, here's uh -huh. the list of customers. Here's how we've summarized the impact. Here's the revenue impact. Right. If we decide to invest yep. the time to build out. Here's the scoping of how much time it will take to build out. So really bringing all of that uh, background and detail, really mm. knowing the audience that I was talking to, right? Uh, the right. product team doesn't just want to hear that, you know, they're not doing what customers want. They want to hear like, yeah. what, what is the path uh, to get there? And 
you know, how, how do they fit in? How, how does that work scoped? And so um, mm. just making sure that you really understand your audience when you're telling a story uh, will help right. get that buy-in. Great. Thanks for sharing that, Emily. It's really, really helpful. And it has been a pleasure to have you here on the podcast today uh, to discuss customer success hiring. Uh, and thanks a lot for taking out your time, uh, taking out time out of your busy schedule. And I love the conversation. I'm pretty much sure that the things that I noted today, I'm, I'm going to implement that soon uh, in my job. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a fun, great discussion and uh, things that I'm really passionate about. So I appreciate you giving me the platform to share. Thanks a lot, Emily. Uh, just to remind you, I have been speaking to Emily Gaza, AVP Customer Success at Fastly, and we have been discussing hiring and growth in customer success. My name is Ankit, and you are listening to the CS Mentor Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode and I look forward to talking to you again.